good morning. Before I get started, why don't we go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, let's just ask him to be blessed and honored by our time. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that uh, you'd grant me voice. Lord, I pray my thoughts and my words, Lord, would be yours. Lord, I pray that you would clear the, the hearts and uh, minds of those in the pews this morning. Lord, I pray you'd open their ears and prepare their hearts to receive for what you have for them. God, we know your word is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, we know that uh, it will accomplish, Lord, what you set it out to do. And Lord, I pray that you would have that freedom today with those that are here. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. I thank you for just the honor and privilege we have, Lord, to just uh, open your word and proclaim it boldly. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. You know, man's ability and his sufficiency is always going to fall short of where it ought to be. It's a lot like a bed sheet that's a little short. Pull it up to cover your head, you're going to uncover your feet, and likewise the other way. Quite a picture that reveals the inadequacy of man's efforts. Jesus desires us to trust him and him alone. You know, from the very beginning of time, man has struggled with the idea of giving over every part of their life to the control of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to take a look from the Word of God and see exactly what he desires from his children. If you would turn with me, to Proverbs chapter 3 is where I'm going to be this morning. Proverbs chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 5. And the Bible says, the first thing that Solomon wants to point out here is that we, we can trust in the Lord. He said in the fifth verse, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. You know, there's all kinds of things that we can put our trust in. But there's really not another person that we, you know, we can provide to trust us with everything that we're going to need in this life. Don't get me wrong here. You know, I, I'm speaking of our needs, not our wants. Obviously, there are, there are things that we think that we want. But the reality is we don't really need them. Our Lord's had this to say in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. It says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, what, we, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or withal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take the thought for the things of itself. 
You know, if those words that the Lord had that day didn't bring you just a little bit of comfort, I'm not sure what would. He said, don't worry about it tomorrow. I know what you need. I believe that there are times we get to feeling that God might not understand or know exactly what we're going through at certain points in our lives. But nothing could be farther from the truth. You know, as a child of God, God never takes his eye off you. You never walk a step that he's not with you, that every step that you walk. Even in the low situations, it's not that he's right there with you, walking through it with you. When you're standing on the mountaintops, he's there also. But it's at the low points in our lives. I believe it's those low points that brings us to the point where we truly lean. Lean on Him. Lean on His understanding. His love and wisdom instead of the things the world thinks we ought to be leaning on. You know, today, there's still people that trust in their money. But it wasn't that many years ago, all of us saw how volatile our financial system is. In just a matter of a couple days, it seemed like the entire system collapsed. So that's probably not a good place to put your trust in. Something else we probably shouldn't be relying on is our own strength. Because there are certain things we can handle. But I'm sure every one of us in the room can attest there's, there's things that come into our lives that are way bigger than us. Way too big to handle. How many of you all heard the saying, you know what, just follow your heart. Let me clue you in, the heart's a pretty fickle organ. Our heart has the ability to change, you know, chase after our own desires without ever considering the fact whether it's within the confines of God's will or not. Solomon learned early on that he was a man standing desperately in need of God's help. He was desperately in need of God's grace. If he's even going to be half of the man God was calling him to be. You know, when God asked, you know, anointed Solomon as king of Israel, and he gave Solomon the ability to ask him, if anything he wanted, this one thing, he said, Solomon, I'll give you anything that you want. Solomon 
Something that would enable you to be the best king for the nation of Israel. He could have asked for money. He could have asked for fame. I want him to follow me, Lord. Respect. Obedience. He could have, he could have, all the, a number of things he could have asked him for. But ultimately, he said, God, I need your wisdom. He knew that for him to be a godly king that would honor God with the decisions that he would make, he would need God's wisdom to be such a man. Let's face it, there's things that come into our lives that simply don't make sense. But no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how tough the situations have built up against us. God is still in control. And we can and should trust Him and follow Him with all of our hearts. You know what's possible for us to follow Him half-heartedly? But our lives reflect that kind of faith. He's not just the God of the good times. But he's the God of the valleys. Like I said earlier, he walks with us no matter where we are. And I believe God allows those tough times to enter into our lives. So we can see where our trust truly lies. Because it's in those times we see whether we're relying on him or we're relying on ourselves. Look at the sixth verse. We're to allow him to lead. He said, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You know, it's really easy for us put God in a box, so to speak, and give him control only certain parts and areas of our lives. Probably one of the funniest illustrations of this, there's this British uh, evangelist that was talking about uh, driving a car. He said, oh, all of us are good about letting Jesus in the car, but he said, well, put him in the boot, put him in the trunk. And we let him out when we go to church. And some of them say, you know, I, I'm fine with Jesus taking the wheel until he tries to take you where you don't want to go. He said, you know, we're really good at trying to put God in a box, so to speak, and, and only give him control over certain areas. And holding on to others. I don't think I have to tell you that God's not that kind of God. Because whether we surrender everything or only partially surrender, He's still in control. 
and he's still orchestrating everything whether or not we're willing participants or not you know man in general is real good at coming up with excuses why they can't just completely surrender but the reality is the excuses that we have really don't hold water according to what the Bible has to say about the God that we serve. You know, our thinking and God's are different. God has, you know, this is the way we think. It's impossible. I'm too tired. Nobody really loves me. Nobody really cares. I can't go on. I can't figure things out. I can't do it. I'm not worth it. I can't forgive myself. I can't afford to. You know how God looks at our lives? Completely different than that. He says all things are possible. I will give you rest. I love you. I care for you. My grace is sufficient. I will direct your steps. You can do all things. I am able. It will be worth it. I forgive you, and I will supply all your needs. Take Paul, for example. Look at his life, the life that he was leading and how he was acting before he met Jesus on that fateful day on the road to Damascus. That meeting was a meeting that would transform his life for all of eternity. Before he met Jesus, he was very self-sufficient, very educated, prideful, and arrogant. As far as he was concerned, he was on top of the world. And one day, he would snuff out the gospel message that was being preached by Jesus and the other apostles. But what he would find out on this day, when Jesus would blind him on the road to Damascus, was that Jesus and his message were much larger and much more important than he ever would be. And before Jesus could get to the heart of this man, he had to blind him. He had to leave him totally incapable of continuing on the mission that he had set out to do. And then Jesus, in his grace, would have Paul led to Damascus instead of breaking up the group of believers and having them arrested. 
said, Saul, I want you to go to go to go on to Damascus. I got a man waiting there, and, and Ananias, and, he, and he's going to share with you what's next. What a humbling moment that would have been for Paul at this time. And as Ananias would share with Paul what Jesus had next on the agenda. Paul didn't tell him, you know what, Ananias, this sounds like a great plan, but I think I need to go home and think on this for a while. The Bible said as soon as the scales fell off, Paul was all in, wasn't he? He was committed to following and trusting Jesus with all of his heart. Having absolutely no idea what the future looked like. And what Paul would find out for the rest of his life is that Jesus would be with him every step of the way. And continue to lead him. And I believe. That Paul found out that following Jesus. And allowing him to lead. Averted a lot of headaches. He would one day. Lay down his life. for what he believed and what he preached. He would be stoned in Lystra, left for dead for preaching the gospel. Walked back to Derby got healed up and instead of saying you know what Lister can just have themselves I don't need to go back there he went right back in there and did the same thing this was a man that truly lived out what Solomon was saying here in the 6th verse to be led by Christ we have to be surrendered and ready to commit every part of our life to him. Paul had no idea what that second trip in the Lister would look like, but he said, Lord, you got it. I'm going back. It was only by God's marvelous grace that Paul was able to surrender and commit in the way that he did. You know, we still serve the same God that enables in the same grace today. God sees and God knows exactly where we are in our walk today. And he knows exactly what we need right Because his grace will always be sufficient.
Look at verse 7. Solomon continues on. For to walk in the fear of the Lord, he said, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and more to thy bones. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but rather fear the Lord and depart from evil. Think about that one just for a moment. Man doesn't have all that hard of a time thinking that, you know, coming up with the idea, thinking that they're pretty smart for the most part. When a man acts out acts out wise in his own eyes he's acting out in independence from God he stops trusting the God he should be following he refuses to ask God for the help that he needs he fails to seek the direction He stops listening and taking advice from others. And when it comes to their spiritual condition, their spiritual growth, they're unwilling to take instruction from a teacher or a leader. They're wise in their own eyes. The Bible wasn't written for them. It was written for other people. Instead of having that ungodly attitude towards God and His written word, we're rather to fear the Lord. That doesn't mean that we're to be afraid of Him. Or that He's a God out to get us. But what it does mean is that we ought to have a healthy respect for him and for what he's done for us. Fear the Lord. We shouldn't be obeying simply out of duty in order to escape punishment. But we ought to be obeying him with the hard attitude that we could never repay him for what he's so gloriously done for us. having that kind of a heart of love towards God and His Word, God's going to give you the grace you need for every day. In such a way we can live our lives in, in such a way that we're going to glorify Him with our words and our actions. Having that kind of heart is going to keep you know, the, the sin of pride away, and that's the evil that Psalm is admonishing his readers to depart from. You know, you know, pride is a sin that'll distance you from a God that yearns to lead and guide you. Solomon states in the eighth verse. 
said, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. He's speaking here of your spiritual health, your inner health. You know, most of us know we're not necessarily promised we're not promised good physical health but our spiritual health is completely dependent upon the quality of relationship that we have with Jesus Christ moral to the bones that's that's morals what waters and strengthens them. You know, without moral, the bones would become limited or useless. They die. You know, the point that Solomon is making here is we need God in our lives and we need Him in a big way. Before we dismiss this morning, I want to leave you with just some parting thoughts. Solomon wasn't trying to discourage his readers in any way. If this, you know, what he was pinning here, you know, but what he was trying to encourage his readers here with is that at the very best in knowledge that you and I can conjure up on our own is going to fall way short. We might get away with it for a little while. But sooner or later, living our lives with a sense of independence from God is going to catch up with us. You know, first of all, we've got to know God loves us. And he only wants what's best for us. He knows where we are individually. He knows where we are corporately as a church. He knows what we can handle. And he knows exactly what we need. And he wants us to lean on him. And he will be faithful to lead us right into the center of his will. And in doing so, he will be the one that's glorified. And we will be blessed beyond measure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the challenge of it. God, we know that none of us have arrived, Lord, that need, each of us need reminded constantly, Lord, where we need to lean and just keep putting our faith and our trust. God, I pray you'd strengthen your people. I pray you would encourage them. 
Lord, I pray that as we go out this week that we would be more, that we'd be ambassadors for you in all that we do and say. Lord, I pray we'd be a people that would have a heart for those that you bring into our lives. As we were speaking and talking about in Sunday school this morning, Lord, I pray you'd give us your heart for those that you bring us into our lives. A heart to want to share you with them. God, I pray you'd give us the ability, Lord, to, to, to see life through your eyes and live it with your heart. Lord, we know that uh, the way we think naturally, Lord, is, is wrong according to your word. God, I pray that you just grant us the ability, Lord, to just totally and completely lean on you and trust in you for, for all the wisdom and knowledge we need, Lord, to navigate this life. God, I thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that you know, as, as, as we do fail and come up short, Lord, that uh, you, you're right there to pick us up and, and, and help us get right back on track. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.